started hearing from God that this wasn't the right relationship for him. But instead of break off the relationship, the 17-year-old ignored God's voice and kept going out and dating this person who God had said to him was not the right person. Well, about, you know, this year goes, goes through and, and happens, and all of a sudden, finally, after much nudging from the Holy Spirit, this 17-year-old decided that he needed to break off the relationship because God had said to him in his spirit, this was not the right person. So I know this, I know this experience because this, this was me. That 17-year-old kid was me. And I, I remember that night when, when I broke off the relationship. I mean, it, it was tough. You know, it was ugly. <laughs> I, I said, I, I don't want to date you anymore. And, and she was like, why? And I said, well, you know, we're growing in different directions. We're going in different directions. No, we're not. And then, you know, she started crying and I stood my ground, you know. And then she started accusing me like, well, it's your fault, you know. But I stood my ground. Finally, I took it like a man and I got in my car and I left. I got out of there. And I went to my youth pastor's house, and I called ahead, and I said, can I speak with Bobby? Bob, Bobby was my youth pastor. He said, sure, come over. So I sat down in his living room on his couch, and I told him my story. And I just said, look, man, I, I, I've been disobeying God because I know that this isn't right for me, and it's not helping me to grow in my relationship with God. And I fully, fully expected him as a pastor and as a preacher just to kind of lay into me a little bit, you know, kind of like a coach. Like, you're better than that, man. You could do, you know, what are you thinking? What have you been doing for a year, man? You've been, but he didn't say any of that. You know what he said to me? He said, have you made it right with the Lord? And I'm thinking, yeah, I, I did what he told me to do. And I asked his forgiveness, and I looked at my youth pastor and said, yeah, yeah, I have. He said, that, then there's nothing else to do. Poof. Poof. Nothing else to do. I said, wait, aren't I supposed to, like, get on my knees and climb up 100 steps or something? Or don't I have to, like, take a rosary and, you know, like, just kind of play with the, you know, you know just... Do that a bunch, or isn't there something? I don't know. Don't I have to do community service? You know, I don't know. No, nothing. He said, you, "You've already worked it out with the Lord, man. You got God's forgiveness. It's nothing for me to do. There's, no, you did it." And let me tell you something. Right there in that moment, I understood God in a new way. I understood what it meant to have a burden lifted off of me. This morning, we're in this series. Got love. And I want to talk about love in one of its different aspects, particularly in an aspect of bearing one another's burdens. Everybody has burdens. What's yours? Debt, divorce, depression. It could be anything. Everybody has burdens. Just like Pastor said, people walk in here every week with burdens. And as Christians, the Bible gives us some instructions about this. This is about how we love each other. In the Bible, 29 times in the New Testament, the Bible says, 
that we're supposed to treat one another in a certain way. 29 one another's. It says you need to love one another. You need to serve one another. You need to bear with one another. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. 29 times. There's 29 one another's in the New Testament. Today I want to talk about bear one another's burdens. How do you bear a burden? How do you come alongside of somebody and help them? Because all of us are in relationships. All of us have friends. All of us have family. And in every relationship you're in, you're either taking that person with, up with you or taking them down. You're like an elevator. Every person is like an elevator. It's called the elevator principle in relationships. And so when somebody steps into your relational elevator, they get into your sphere and they become your friend, you can either hit the button and push it and take them down or you can push the button and take them up. You can be a lifter or you can let them down. And I want to talk to you this morning, really just for the next couple minutes, about being a lifter, coming alongside people and lifting them to another level helping them get to that other level that they need to. Now, the Apostle Paul tells us, and this is very important in the book of Galatians, he gives us some basics of burden bearing. And listen to this. This is from God's Word. The Apostle Paul says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass... Now, that word overtaken, flip that around, and it means like taken over. If there's some issue that's taken over your life, If anybody be overtaken in a trespass, a trespass is a sin. It's something I do that violates God's law. He said, if there's anybody among you that's overtaken, I mean, we're talking about overtaken to the point of, say, addiction. Overtaken to the point of, I've lost my self-control. Overtaken to the point of, I just feel like I can't help myself anymore. I don't want to do it, but I keep finding myself doing this over and over and over and over. He says, brethren, if a man or woman is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. That's a command. That's not a suggestion. That's not just good advice from the Bible, you know. It's a command. You carry each other's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is the law of love. It's the law of love. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work... And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Each of us is carrying some kind of load this morning. Each of us walks into this church and we have something going on in our life. It's like this bag right here. I've got this big bag and a lot of us walk in with baggage. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're coming in and man, we're carrying stuff like, I don't know. Somebody did something wrong to us, you know, so we're bitter about it. Oh, now I'm lugging that bitterness around. You know, somebody 
you know, has treated me unfairly, so I'm really angry at them. Maybe it's your boss, maybe it's your company you work for, and you're just ticked, and you can't let that go, and so that went in your bag, man. That went in your bag, and you're just dragging this daggum thing along with you everywhere you go. You got some baggage. You got some baggage. Maybe not this big, but, you know, we all have baggage, right? We all have burdens. What's yours? What's your burden? What's your burden? Everybody has a burden. Verse 6, let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. Don't kid yourself, Paul says. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary in well-doing or in while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. And notice these words, especially to those who are of the household of faith. That is, to other Christians, one another. Bear one another's burdens. Now, what is a burden? What is a burden? What, what's the baggage? What's the baggage that you're carrying around? Well, in the scriptures, Paul uses a word in the Greek called baros, and specifically here, it's referring to something that's like sinful conduct, and it's the consequences that come into a person's life because they don't do what God told them to do. It's kind of like me when I was 17, and I, I just felt in my spirit, this is not the right person for me, and it, and it wasn't. I was in a relationship that wasn't helping me grow in my relationship with God. And so God was saying, you need to s- separate yourself from this situation. And I had to listen to him. But it would be nine years before I would actually meet the one that was God's will for me, my wife, Nicole. And I had a lot of growing to do. And I had to let go. Of, I had a lot of baggage that I had to let go of before I was ready to get married. That's for sure. <laughs> How many of you right now know somebody who's carrying a burden? Anybody know someone who's carrying a burden? Now, burdens can be the cause of sin. They're not always. Burdens can be caused by a lot of different stuff. There's all kinds of burdens. Like, uh, there could be self-inflicted burdens. Self-inflicted means, I did it to me. I did it to me. These are troubles and pain that comes upon you into your life that when you look at it, You've just got to own up and say, man, I made the choice and I did it. And the consequences were mine. It's like if a person, for example, if a person has extramarital sex and ends up getting an STD, that burden that they're experiencing and carrying is self-inflicted. Does that make sense? Now, by the way, how many of you are asleep? Okay. So during this message, some of you are. Thank you. Ride or die, Mr. Harley, changing lives one Harley at a time. They're down here sleeping. Just Scott, just Scott. Scott's like, man, I already prayed for you, dude. I, uh, it's, <laughs> it's done, it's done. That was so kind to you guys, by the way. That, 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 that's so meaningful and special. I got me off track, sorry. That was, that just, it really touched my heart this morning. Thank you, men, for, for that. I really appreciate that. And 
there are self-inflicted. So there's self-inflicted burdens that we, we inflict on ourselves, and, and then there's, you know, Paul says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, stop there. During this message, when I'm teaching a point to you, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to say, got it? And you're going to say, got it. And then I'm going to say, good. All right, let's practice. Got it? Good. Okay, that's what we're going to do for the rest of the time together, okay? Everybody say, yes, I'm awake. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So he's saying it's possible to bring a burden on ourselves. For, here's another example. I'm just giving you examples. These are just examples. Uh, look at Proverbs 23, 29 through 35. There's, here's what it says. Here's what it says. You ready? Who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who is always fighting? Who is always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? It is the one who spends long hours in the taverns trying out new drinks. Don't let the sparkle and smooth taste of wine deceive you. For in the end, it bites like a poisonous serpent. It stings like a viper. You will see hallucinations and you will say crazy things. You will stagger like a sailor tossed at sea, clinging to a swaying mast. And you will say, they hit me, but I didn't feel it. I didn't even know it when they beat me up. Anyway, when will I wake up so I can have another drink? That's what he's saying. He's saying, if anybody is overtaken or taken over in a trespass, I'm not saying drinking is wrong. I'm saying drunkenness is wrong. There's a difference. And so what happens is if you are overtaken or taken over by something, whether it's a substance or a situation or an activity, Paul says that you need to be restored. We all need restoration. Wouldn't you say that? We all need restoration from time to time. Here's another example. Look, Proverbs 22.7. These are, what am I saying? These are just examples of self-inflicted burdens, okay? Self-inflicted. Something I do to myself. Proverbs 22.7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Uh, What I'm learning in financial peace with Bill Target is that sometimes I can misuse my credit card. And what happens is if we run up charges on our credit cards and fail to keep up the payments, then this becomes a self-inflicted burden. Got it? Good. That's all I'm saying. Self-inflicted. I did it to me. Then there's what's called Satan-inflicted burdens. Satan-inflicted burdens. Notice this. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, Paul says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. There are some times in our life that God will allow in his permissive will. He will allow Satan to put a thorn in your flesh. God always has a purpose for it. There's always a reason for it. And there are times when God will allow something in your life, sometimes to help you grow, most of the time to help us become more mature as Christians. Then there's situational burdens. 
There's situation or societal burdens. There's things that society puts on us. Or the situation you're in right now. What's your situation? What's your story right now? You know, you maybe, I know a lot of, a lot of people today, you know, they go to school. For, for example, this is one. You go to school, you go to college, you get your degree, and you think, yeah, man, I'm going to come out of college and have a great job. And then you come out of college and you get into the industry and there's no jobs available. Then you got to scramble and, and, and find some kind of work just to make a, make a living. That's called a situational burden. You know, it's like you didn't do anything wrong. It's just the economy, you know, it's just the way things are. It's situational. Life is like that. But that can be a burden. I mean, that's, you know, that's still something you got to carry. Still something you got to drag around. There's burdens placed on us by others. As a matter of fact, Paul wrote the book of Galatians, what we just read. Paul wrote it because there were some false teachers who were trying to take burdens and throw them on Christians. They were telling them certain things that weren't true. You know, false teachers. They were, they were teaching things that weren't true. Sometimes you hear a so-called t- uh, teacher say, well, if you just... Wait a minute, i got to do their voice, don't I? You just had a little more faith. <laughs> You wouldn't be so sick. You ever heard somebody say that before? The reason you're sick is because you don't have faith. <laughs> I, saw, I saw this preacher who was, uh, he, his sermon series was on why you're not, why no virus can get near you. The, the coronavirus. And I, I remember thinking to myself, man, you and I are not living in the real world, bro. And we're not even living in the same Bible, brah. Because what you're saying is that stuff can't stick to me, but it can. Because guess what? I live in a fallen world. And you live in a fallen world, and things are broken here. Nothing works right. Until heaven, until God comes with his kingdom, nothing will be perfect. So there's viruses and infections and, and, and all kinds of stuff. You gotta, you gotta watch out for false teachers putting things in your head that aren't true, and it, and it puts a burden on you because what happens is you think, well, man, if I just, if I had a little more faith, I wouldn't be this down. That's an awful burden to carry. That's called guilt. Ugh, that's a bad burden, man. I don't wanna carry that around. Don't, hey, don't put that on me. That's what happens. And then there are sowing and reaping burdens. Notice verse 7, Paul says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Like, I can't, I can't plant corn in my garden and expect to pick tomatoes, right? The law is that literal. What you plant is what grows. What you don't plant, don't expect to grow, Right? It's not going to happen. It's the law of cause and effect. So let's talk about the basics of burden bearing because the fact is, whether you have a self-inflicted or a Satan-inflicted or a situational or societal or whatever, you know the ones I just talked about. Do you know the ones I just talked about? Got it? Good. I'm not going to quiz you on them, okay, because I, I have notes here. But it, what's your burden? We need people to help us carry our burdens. That's what it means to bear your burdens, B-E-A-R. Bear means to carry. 
carry your burdens. Man, we got burden. We all got burdens. Bill, would you come and help me real quick? I, I was telling Bill earlier, this is Bill Target. He's teaching me and Pastor Tim and Pastor Steve how to be better managers of our money the way the Bible teaches. And I asked Bill, I said, Bill, just come help me grab that handle and let's lift this burden together. All right, so I'm going to put it like that. Let's just walk this way. So that's, I mean, to be honest with you, this is a ton easier than this. Okay, once you drop it, and then I'm going to do what a lot of Christians do. Oh, my gosh. I'm a, this is, you know, I don't want anybody's help. I don't need you to help me. I'm not going to ask for help. I don't need anybody, you know, do anything for me. Man, that's a lot harder than for me just to say, Bill, would you help me? Would you come alongside here? You do that side so you don't get hit with this thing over here. We just carry it together, you know. And, and together, we can handle it, right? Alone, it's harder. Thank you, Bill. Would you guys give Bill a hand? This guy right here is a burden lifter. He's come into my life as a friend and been a blessing to me. He's a lifter. His elevator's going up. Got it? Good. I hope your elevator's going up. Hope you're taking people with you up. So let's talk about burden bearing, the basics. Here we go. You ready? All right, here we go. Number one, and I'm going to go through these real quick because I know, I know you're listening fast and you're ready. You're ready to do whatever it is you want to go home and do. But number one, real quick, this is how we bear each other's burdens, okay? This is how you come along like Bill, Bill just did for me, okay? This is, this is your role. This is what you need to do. For the sake of weaker Christians, stronger Christians must pay close attention to their own spiritual well-being. All right, in every church you go to, there are the strong and the weak. There are those that are full of faith and those that barely have any at all. There are people who are really mature they're seasoned, you know. They've been through some things and they've walked with Jesus through some things. And man, they kind of, they've been around the block and they've come out the other side better, actually. Then there's people that, you know, they're, they're as green as ever. I mean, they, they just, they, they don't know much. They just know that God saved them, that he loves them, and they're supposed to walk with them. But man, they're going through some trials and they've got some burdens and they're strong and weak. Those who carry heavy burdens and those who carry small burdens. By the way, in the animal kingdom, you find this too. You find the strong animals and the weak animals. And what, what happens in that world? The strong survive, right? Survival of the fittest. You better not be weak. You better not break that leg. You better not lose those teeth. Because what happens is you're not going to be able to survive. And in the animal kingdom, the strong consume the weak. They take advantage of them. That's their competition. That's their advantage. But with human beings, the strong are never to prey upon the weak. In every church, among every group of Christians, there will be Christians that are strong, powerful. And then there will be Christians that are weaker. They're struggling. They're limping more. And as strong Christians, if you're a strong Christian, you don't need to consume the weak ones or feel superior. The strong must protect the weak. 
The healthy are to care for the unhealthy. The young are to care for the old. Parents take care of their little children, and then their little children grow up and take care of their parents. That's how it works with the Lord. And in every church, there are mature Christians and immature Christians. Notice he says, verse 1, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any, any trespass, you who are spiritual, right there, stop right there. There are spiritual Christians, and there are some of you that are unspiritual. Those aren't my words. Those are, that's just, I'm, I'm just going off of what Paul says here. Got it? Good. So there are spiritual Christians, and then there are unspiritual or sinning Christians. Paul commands us to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. In other words, if you're here trying to help somebody along and you know they're having an issue in their life and a problem and and you, you feel like you're the one to come alongside of them, you've got to make sure that you're winning your battle with sin first. You've got to make sure Paul says in verse 4, but let each one examine his own work. Examine yourself first. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. What's Paul saying? He's saying that each of us has to take responsibility for our spiritual progress. So wherever you are spiritually right now, you just have to own it. You have to take responsibility for that. You got where you are because of the choices you made. You got where you are because of the actions you've taken. You're not where you are now by accident. This is not hard and difficult. Honestly, this is very simple. It's cause and effect. I did that. I ended up right here. This is how life works. It's how scripture works. He says, let each one examine his own work. And so you need to ask, before you go charging into another person's life, ready to help them become their very best, you need to step back, take a look in the mirror, and make sure you got your stuff together first. Does that make sense? Got it? Good. Good. Paul told Timothy... Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. He's talking about bearing the burdens of people. He says, first of all, you've got to be strong yourself. You can't bear, you can't bear what you can't carry, right? If Bill wasn't strong enough to help me carry this, then he's not going to be a help to me, is he? You've got to make sure you're strong enough before you try to carry, charge into somebody's life and carry what they're carrying. So, number two, spiritual Christians should not feel superior to sinning Christians. Um, I I think of it this way. Um, You know, we all sin differently. Did you know that? Like, there are some temptations in my life that you would be like, Brad, I'm not tempted by that. Why are you tempted by that? Well, because I'm not you, and you're not me. And there are some temptations in your life that wouldn't bother me and bug me. Why? Because I'm not you. God's made you you. So we all have our different temptations, right? And so what I try to do is I try to look at other people, and I try not to judge too harshly people that sin differently than me.
people that sin differently than me. That's like the prideful person who's got arrogance written all over them, feeling superior to the person who is dealing with a drug addiction. Well, which is worse? The fact that this man or woman has been overtaken by this substance and can't handle themselves with this drug, or the fact that this man or woman has been overtaken by this internal spirit of of pride? Which is better, which is worse? Well, I know which is more obvious, right? So what, what Paul says is, look, you don't need to look at other believers and feel superior to them. He says in verse 3, For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he's really nothing, he deceives himself. Do you know those people? They think they're something. They are really something. And they come in and they want you to know they're something. And Paul says, that's nothing. That's nothing. He says, they're fooling themselves. Paul says, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Spiritual Christians don't act or feel superior to other people that are struggling. Have compassion. Bear their burden. Don't prey upon them as a weaker person. Don't take advantage of them, but encourage them. Paul says in verse 1, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. He says, you're capable of doing the very same things. You may not now, but for the grace of God go you. You might. So don't restore a brother or sister in a sense of pride. You can't extend the grace of God and the love of God at the same time that you're judging and condemning people. You you can't do the same. It it won't work. They'll, They'll block each other. So you have to be rid of that. And you gotta reach out and you help someone. And I think this is how we bear burdens. Therefore, as we have opportunity, notice verse 10, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith we got to reach out. That's how we bear one another's burdens. See, our burdens are all different. Your burdens may be different from mine. My burdens may be different from yours. And what happens is, as a Christian, God doesn't waste a burden. He never wastes a burden. Got it? Good. There is no pain you're feeling right now that God is wasting. There is something that will come out of that pain that will benefit you. Okay? That's what happens. That's what happens. What comes out of our burdens is something good. All right, we got a burden, but something good is going to come out of it. Now, this right here is my prayer stool. All right, so this is what I do with this. This is one of the most powerful ways we can bear one another's burdens. Sometimes I take this and I set it by my bed and I just kind of set it like that and I rest on it and I just go to the Lord in prayer and I, let, I just rest my forearms right here and I say, Lord, Pray for Scott Wolf. Lord Jesus, he needs some help. 
Then I'll pray for Pastor Tim and I'll say, oh Lord, give him strength in his leadership because he's carrying so many burdens. The burdens of all of us are on him. And Lord, I pray that you just give him strength. And what happens is it's called intercession, intercessory prayer. And that's what comes out of your burdens. You can either get bitter or you can get better. And so what happens is when you have a burden, God isn't wasting it. What comes out of that burden are new prayers that you pray. Let me tell you something. Whenever you have a hard burden, you get a new prayer. God gives you a new prayer. You know, the, 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 son, when, the son who was... Um, the, the famous story Jesus told of the, the, the prodigal son... He says, the son said, Dad, I want you to give me all that's mine, and I want it now. And he left, and when he left, he was saying to the father, give me. Let me tell you something. He went through some burdens. He wasted his money. He did everything like that. Guess what he was praying? Guess what came out of his burden? Guess what he was asking the father for when he came back? Make me. Just make me one of your hired servants. I'm not even worthy to do that. He started out before the burden. He's like, give me, give me, give me. I deserve it right now. What came out of his burden was a new prayer. Make me. God, make me the man that you want me to be. Make me the person that I need to be. You see, and that's how we bear one another's burdens. Intercession. Carrying one another's burdens through prayer is one of the best ways that you can do that. Are you praying for each other? Good. Because that's an important way to bear a burden, to carry a burden. I had my son Ethan draw a verse on here. I said to him, this is my prayer stool. I want you to write a verse for me. And he wrote 1 Chronicles 16, 11. It says, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. And so that's what I encourage you to do. Whatever your burden, whatever it is you're carrying. And, and those of you that feel like you're getting stronger in your faith. That you're being able to handle things more wisely, more maturely, more, more skillfully, more more like Christ, come around those that are hurting, come around those that are struggling. That's one of the reasons I love Celebrate Recovery is because it's a judgment-free zone. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you have or what you've done. Just come because we're ready to help you carry that burden. We want to take that burden off of you. We want to help you get free Scott said it best, this church is a hospital. We're a hospital for people that are wounded. And that's how we need to think about it. When a person comes through that door, by the way, Jesus healed many people. And I'm closing my message right now. I'm just in closing, I want to say, I want to say this. Jesus healed a lot of people when, in his ministry, right? He healed the blind, the deaf, the lame. One thing Jesus never did, did you know this? Did you know that Jesus never, one time, not even one time, 
Did he go up to a person that he was getting ready to heal and say to them, by the way, how did you get sick? Like he didn't go up to the person with HIV AIDS like he was superior and go, by the way, remind me how you got that disease. Oh. Because it doesn't matter. Who cares how they got sick? It's not your point to judge. It's not your job to judge. It's your job to bear their burden. That's your job. That's my job. Let's let God stay the judge. How about it, huh? Let's let God be the judge. And let's be the ones that carry one another across the finish line till Jesus comes. Amen? Let's pray together and let's ask him to help us in this thing. This is important. Bearing one another's burdens. Father, I just want to come to you now and I just want to tell you how much I love you. Lord Jesus, even you needed somebody to help you carry your cross. They found Simon and they put your cross on Simon and he carried the wooden cross to the place of of crucifixion for you. Even you needed somebody to help.